The Old Testament reading is from Genesis, the 18th chapter. Then the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So the men turned from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood, still stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are fifty righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous who are there? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the, the righteous to death with the wicked. So the righteous fare as the wicked? Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. Again he spoke to him and said, Suppose forty are found there. He answered, For the sake of forty, I will not do it. Then he said, O oh, let the Lord not be angry, and I will speak. Suppose there are thirty found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find thirty. He said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty are found there. He answered, for the sake of twenty, I will not destroy it. And then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry with that I will speak again, but this once. Suppose ten are found there. He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way. And when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abra I'm sorry, Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from Colossians, the second chapter. Therefore, as you received, received Jesus Christ, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in, in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him... The whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and if you have been filled with him, who is in the head of the rule of all authority, in him you also, will, you also were circumcised, and with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through the faith, in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive altogether with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of our debt that stood against us and its legal demands. He set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over all of them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Out of respect for Jesus, we rise to hear his words. Hear the gospel of the Lord as it is written in Luke 11, 1 through 13. 
Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And Jesus said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend, Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Lord, may your word live in us and bear much fruit to your glory. The word of God for this morning's message is taken from the epistle lesson, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 in particular. There we read from the words of St. Paul, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. This is our text. In the name of Jesus Christ, who is the mother tree, dear friends in Christ, I find it relaxing and serene to stroll through a forest flanked by towering columns of majestic trees. Fungi and moss and ferns blanket the forest floor. The wind rustles through the leaves of trees. Trickling water flows down the side of the hill, and a variety of birds entertain with a symphony of song. Chipmunks dart here and there on a scavenger hunt as they hunt for nuts. And walking through a forest, particularly after a rainfall, the aromatherapy is really at its finest. I mean, just close your eyes and breathe in that fresh air. The piney-scented fresh air does wonders for one's spirit. Over the years, I've hiked through forests populated with birch trees and oak trees and poplar trees and pine trees and maple trees. I've been dwarfed by the gigantic sequoias of Northern California. And when I used to travel to Port Alberni, British Columbia, I would always stop to stroll through what was known as Cathedral Grove. There's just something transcendent and tranquil and therapeutic about standing among the towering Douglas fir trees. But you know, there's nothing like standing in this cathedral grove in which I stand right now. I mean, can you see it? There's a mother tree 
in our midst, none, like none other. It's the source, this mother tree of life and vitality and resilience for every tree in this cathedral grove. This tree of all trees is surrounded by its offspring. I see trees of every variety, spruce and oak and poplar, birch and pine and cypress and cedar and chestnut and maple and willow and sycamore and sequoias and, yes, even the Douglas fir. Now, before you think I've lost my marbles or that I'm hallucinating, let me explain by unpacking for you the meaning of verses 6 and 7 of our text under the theme, Firmly Rooted in Christ, the Mother Tree. Jesus Christ, the Mother Tree. What does this mean? You see, essential to the life of a forest, to its conception and to its ongoing regeneration and resilience, are the largest, oldest trees known as mother trees. For example, the massive sequoia known as General Sherman, the largest known living stem stem tree on earth, is a mother tree. In Cathedral Grove, where I used to wander out on Vancouver Island, the biggest trees in the grove are about 800 years of age, and they measure 250 feet high and 29 feet in circumference. Some of these trees are known as mother trees. And research, research done by a forester like Professor Suzanne Samard of the University of British Columbia reveals some interesting facts about the mother tree. For example, the mother tree is the dominant tree in the forest. She provides the seeds, seeds that fall to the forest floor and start to germinate and populate the forest with her kin. The mother tree establishes an intricate network connecting herself to her offspring and to other trees all around her. One mother tree can be linked up to hundreds of other trees as far as the eye can see, even connected to different species of trees. And the mother tree manages the resources of the whole plant community. Mother trees are able to recognize their kin that are around them, and the trees send messages back and forth to each other. The mother tree can change her environment to support the life of a seedling, especially if that seedling is under distress. Well, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is like a mother tree. What makes Jesus like a mother tree? Well, Jesus is the tree of life. Jesus is the source of life for all the trees in the forest. Jesus establishes an intricate network throughout this forest, this grove, if you will, with his offspring, providing them with the nutrients necessary for regeneration and resilience and vitality. Jesus, like a mother tree, dwarfs all the other trees in the forest. I mean, Jesus is like no other tree in God's forest. I mean, here are some of the ways in which St. Paul describes Jesus, this mother tree, in the book of Colossians. He says Jesus is God's Son. He says Jesus is the image of God in whom all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. Jesus is the Lord of all creation. Jesus is the ruler of all. Jesus is the reconciler of the universe. Jesus is the redeemer in whom we have the forgiveness of sins and redemption. Jesus is the head of the church. The beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, he says, so that in everything he might have supremacy. And Jesus is called the Christ. He is the Lord. And it's this Jesus, this mother tree, 
who gives life to you and to me and all the other trees in the forest. He says, I have come that you may have life and have life to the full. Yes, Jesus Christ was planted in this world by his Father as the tree of life so that his offspring would live eternally. But Jesus first of all had to experience death himself. Paul states in verses 13 and 15 of Colossians 2, when we were dead in our sins and in the uncircumcision of our sinful nature, God made us alive with Christ. He forgave us of all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Yes, Jesus is the source of our life. Jesus is the source of our biological life as he participated in the creation of this world. Jesus is the source of our spiritual life because he sends the Holy Spirit into our lives to create faith in us through holy baptism. He's the source of our ongoing life with the Lord as we live in God's forgiveness and, and his love. Jesus is the source of our eternal life as he's the one who's conquered death once and for all with his own resurrection from the dead. And hence Paul's exhortation to us in verse 6 where he says continue to live continue to walk continue to be planted rooted in him well now that we've talked about the mother tree and her importance to the other trees in the forest let's take a moment to discuss the forest floor when I wander through the forest my attention is often drawn to the trees I'm always seemingly looking up but there's so much on the forest floor, isn't there, to look at and to appreciate. I mean, the forest floor consists of nutrient-filled black moist soil. It has fungi, it has mushrooms and moss and ferns and water and nutshells and pine cones and wilted and dead leaves. It has roots of living trees and it has decaying stumps. And then there's the bugs and the slugs and the worms and the birds and the chipmunks and the squirrels and there's the deer and the, and the bear and all other kind of animals that live in that forest. Yes, there's certainly more to a forest than simply trees. And all of the things I just mentioned are vital to the health and the well-being of the life of a forest. I mean, trees may look like they're individual, and they may look like they're set apart from one another, but they're actually or usually interconnected to each other and connected to the same mother tree. Their roots and their forest fungi interact with one another, assisting each other to survive. Suzanne Samard and her colleagues have discovered that trees and plants actually communicate and interact with each other. The roots from one tree connect to the roots of another tree, and they shuffle carbon and nitrogen back and forth according to the needs of the tree and the tree that needs it the most. And microscopic experimentation reveals that the fungi move carbon and water and other nutrients between trees, depending again on their needs. And this symbiosis enables the purposeful sharing of resources, consequently helping the whole system of trees and plants to flourish. And you see, something similar happens in God's forest. God's forest floor provides a firm foundation for His trees. And that forest floor teems with life. 
when we look at God's forest floor, we see nutrient-filled, fertile soil of God's Word. We see life-creating, life-giving springs of holy baptism. We see the bedrock confession of, of our faith as expressed in the Apostles' Creed, serving as the underlying crest of the forest. We see the mother tree sharing nutrients, his life-giving nutrients of body and blood to his kin. We see the interconnecting roots of, of our faith, connecting us to with other trees that are in this forest or in this grove as we share the spiritual nutrients, especially with those trees that are in stress. And we see stumps of past glory continuing to pass on to us the wealth of experience to, to the other trees, even though they've now gone on to be with the Lord. As Christians and congregations may appear to be individual, they may, be a, they may even appear to be set apart from one another, and they may even act that way. But Christians in the cathedral groves, the congregations, they form and they're interconnected by their relationship to the same mother tree, Jesus Christ. They're all firmly rooted in Jesus Christ and interconnected to one another by their roots and they're nourished by God's forest floor. Well, now let me ask you this question. What is the fruit of an apple tree? Our first inclination might be to respond with the answer, well, the apple is the fruit of the apple tree. But the fruit of the apple tree is not really an apple, but another apple tree. And the fruit of a mother tree, Jesus Christ, is another tree that reflects his image. This truth is expressed in another way when we talk about followers of Jesus Christ being like little Christ. You see, our Lord has given birth to us because of his great love for us, St. Paul writes to the Ephesians, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. And so you see, in holy baptism, our Lord gives birth to a seedling. That's you and me. And when for all intent and purposes, we are then rooted in Christ, the mother tree. And since that day, our Lord continues the process of germination in us. Jesus nourishes us through nutrient-filled, fertile soil of his word. Jesus shares his life giving and life-sustaining nutrients of his body and blood to these saplings. And the maturation of our faith grows out of the bedrock confession of the prophets and the apostles. And through the interconnecting roots of our common faith, one tree talks to another tree, supporting one another in their growth and in their development. And Jesus continues to give birth to other trees through us. Oh, yes, we are individual trees, if you will. Every believer in Christ is the offspring of the, of the mother tree and rooted in Christ, rooted to Christ. And when there are enough trees, these individual trees come together and they comprise a forest, or what I like to call the cathedral grove, a congregation with Jesus serving as the hub, as the mother tree. And like trees in a, in, a, in a grove that gather around the mother tree and each receives sustenance from the mother tree, so each grove, each congregation gathers around Christ, the mother tree, nourished and fed by His Word and sacraments. And these trees are connected to each other by their common faith in Jesus Christ. It was in 1856 
that a grove of eastern white pine trees was planted in Grand Rapids known as Emmanuel. And then a grove of oaks known as Trinity was planted in 1865. And followed by a walnut grove known as Hope in 1914. And then it was in 1929 that a hardy grove of maple, maple trees was, was established called St. James. And a variety of grove trees were planted all throughout the city. Mount Olive, 5th, 1956. Our Savior, 1961. Messiah, 1964. St. Matthew, in 1970. Epiphany, in 1994. And not to be forgotten, there's a cathedral of trees of neighboring communities like Grace in Wyoming, Holy Cross in St. John Jenison, Good Shepherd Middleville, St. Paul Caledonia, St. Peter Rockford, St. Mark's in Kentwood, New Hope in Hudsonville. And then you think about all the trees throughout the state of Michigan, all of the forests, the groves, the cathedral groves. And they're in neighboring states, and they're from sea to shining sea, and with Jesus' followers all around the world. And they're all, all of these trees, all of these groves, these cathedral groves, are interconnected to one another. Rooted firmly in Jesus Christ, the mother tree, receiving life from Jesus. And you see these trees interact with one another by assisting one another, by sharing resources with one another, by sharing nutrients with one another. When one tree sees another tree in need, they shift the resource to them. And isn't that what we do? When we see a brother or sister in Christ, a fellow tree, if you will, who's ill, do we not come alongside of them and encourage them with God's Word and with prayer just by even visiting them? When someone is grieving the death of a loved one, do we not come alongside of them and encourage them with the words of hope, pointing them to Jesus, the mother tree? Is this not what we're trying to do as we reach out and, and want to help the Beard family whose, whose father has died suddenly? Is this not the way that one tree or one forest is helping another tree in another forest? And is this not what we did on Friday when some of us went down to Detroit to participate in Camp Restore? to help reach out and to, to, to help a community that is in so desperate need of help, to, to go and work alongside the people of Mount Calvary there, a, a one-story church now struggling to survive. And what about the subsidies, the monies that we provide so that little seedlings, little fledgling congregations that can't afford to have their own pastor receive money from us through subsidies so that then they can focus on the ministry and reach out into the community with the gospel? And is this not what we do with the Tesseros who work as Lutheran Bible translators in Nigeria, that we support them in their work so that, so that they can, can do the work of bringing God's Word into the heart language of the people of Nigeria? And is that not what we did during our vacation Bible school with a collection of money so we could purchase some Bibles, Bibles of all things, so that the people in Rwanda through Bethany Christian Fellowship Church might be able to read and hear the Word of God? Word of God. You see, these are all examples of how God's trees interconnected with one another, how God's forces interconnected with one another support one another and help one another. Now we know that trees and forests have their enemies. These enemies can be traced back to God's word in the garden when he said to Adam, Cursed is the ground because of you. 
trees and forests are vulnerable to wind and lightning storms. They're, they're vulnerable to drought and to fire and viral fungi and forest pests like the wood-boring beetles, the spruce budworm and the mountain pine beetle. There's all kinds of invading species that can destroy trees and forests and of course there's the unregulated deforestation by humans. And similarly, even though we are rooted in Christ, the truth is that each tree, each cathedral grove has its enemies dedicated to destroying it. Paul warns the Colossian Christians to be on their guard for these kind of enemies that want to destroy them. And some of these enemies include, as Paul lists them in our, in our readings, he talks about the wood-boring beetles, that is, those who infiltrate the church and be, try to destroy the church through hollow and deceptive philosophy. There's spiritual drought where we're not getting refreshed by the living words of God's Word which leads to apathy and indifference and sloth. There's the infestation of pests with a critical spirit where people infiltrate a church and they have this false sense of humility and yet there's, hung, there's anger and there's rage and there's malice and there's slander and there's filthy language and there's lying and there's manipulation and control. And then there's the raging fires of conflict that can devastate congregations, that devastate force when people are unwilling to forgive one another and to work together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And then there's the viral fungi of earthly bound thoughts that Paul talks about, that view of sexual immorality and impurity and lust and evil and, and greed. Things that can just destroy a, the faith of, of a tree, of a follower of Christ. And then there's those trees and forests that try to live in isolation, unconnected to the other trees. And therefore, they're not receiving the nutrients that they could be receiving from other trees and other forests. And then there's the lifeless spirituality divorced from Jesus, who's the mother tree. And then there's the unwillingness of trees to reproduce themselves, to create other trees, other congregations, other forests. And during its 89-year history, St. James has had its share of threats, hasn't it? I mean, even when the congregation was founded in 1929, there was this great depression. And right even when it was a sapling, when St. James was a sapling, there was the possibility that the life could be completely wiped out because the people were struggling with the depression and had very little money to fund the, the new pastor that had arrived and the work that was to be done. And then after the Depression, there was the World War too, and men had to be sent off to the war, and, and the whole nation and the communities was focused on providing resources for the war. And then there was the doctrinal controversies, the storms that came in the 1970s that, that had the potential to divide the church, and in some cases it did, where some members left the congregation. And then there was other little conflicts here and there where people fought over sometimes the most silly of things and yet willing to destroy a congregation, even to destroy the faith of someone else over something that is not biblically mandated. And then there was also the sudden tragedies where young people or whoever were struck down, died, and it impacted everyone. But during those 89 years, God enabled this congregation to weather these threats. And so the forest still exists. The trees, many of them still stand. 
oh, there will be other attacks in the future. You can count on it. And how will we respond? Well, St. Paul talks in our text about being rooted in God's Word, letting the Word of Christ dwell in us richly, and that then we pass this Word on to the next generation. Because you see, the health of a tree is directly in line with how it's connected into the Word of God, which comes from the mother tree. That's where we gain the nutrients and all that we need to be healthy and well. And St. Paul talks about how as, the, as trees and in God's forest that we put to death that which belongs to our earthly nature. And he lists a number of things in verse, verse 5 of chapter 3. And then he talks about being clothed with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another, loving and forgiving one another as God in Christ loves and forgives us. And then he also says that a tree, a forest, is one that's devoted to prayer. It's watchful. It's watchful for those things that might be a threat to it, but also always thankful for the life that we have through the mother tree. And so you see, we as, as the tree, as a forest, connected to the mother tree, yes, we will have threats made upon us, but Christ, our Lord, is victorious over them all. It's interesting. Sometimes people who study forests will talk about how the trees sing and talk to one another. And maybe as you've wandered through the forest yourself, you've kind of stood there at times and you just listen to the, to the trees, to the forest, talking to each, to each other. Jesus' forest, his trees speak to one another as well. And today as I stand in the midst of this cathedral of trees, this cathedral of this forest of great trees, Jesus stands in our midst. And he gives us reason to talk to one another, to pray for one another, to forgive one another, to celebrate his love for ourselves and for one another. I love this verse from Psalm 96, verse 12 where the psalmist writes, Let the fields be jubilant in everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. We have so much reason to sing for joy. There's trees speaking to one another, rejoicing with one another in the life that we have in Jesus, our mother tree. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.